On this week's episode of Marketing O'Clock, we covered Facebook helping out their star creators. We talked about new organic video capabilities for businesses on Pinterest. Shep quizzed me on the most popular Instagram accounts in the world. Nailed it. <laughs> and Greg discussed his disdain for billboards, even in video games. All on today's show. Marketing O'Clock is your weekly dose of digital marketing news. We record live every Friday from the Cypress North Studios located in beautiful Buffalo, New York. Join us each week for insights, updates, rants, and much more as we cover the full gamut of digital marketing for you. Hey there, I'm Greg Finn. And I'm Christine Zernheld. A.K.A. Shop. <laughs> and it is officially Marketing O'Clock here on July 12th, 2019. Remember, you can catch our famous Friday news shows each and every Friday morning. If you want to follow along with us, just check out our show notes. Head over to marketingoclock.com for all the links from today's articles. And please subscribe so that you don't miss a single episode. Shep, thanks for jumping in. Jess is actually out taking a course on how to make a baby Amazing. at the moment. Yes. So much to learn. Yes. So hopefully that goes well. And something new that you can make is a Bing ad, oops, a Microsoft advertising <laughs> ad with an ad customizer. And Microsoft advertising has a new way that you can use ads customizers, which have been available on Google within Microsoft advertising, formerly Bing ads RIP. If you've got any custom attributes like pricing or sales or even states, anything that can be uh, changed based on a product or where somebody is, that now is available on Microsoft Advertising. The example that they gave was for a Contisco 16-volt vacuum, and they had a deals text that they wanted to be modified to say 30% off with free shipping, and so... By putting in a bracket in these set parameters, you can have that 30% off with free shipping come into your Contico 16-volt vacuum ad without you actually jumping in there and making the change. All you have to do to the ads is change what that parameter is you're passing in, if that makes sense. Did I explain that right, Shep? Yeah. You know what I'm talking about. I think it makes sense. And it sounds really good in theory, but I just think it also sounds really scary. Like you're giving up so much control. And ad customizers are scary. Yeah. Because you're not, you're relying on a lot of intricate things to work. And that's one of those items where testing and retesting, rechecking is really important. And then the other issue is that when you use ad customizers, it's really hard to know exactly what you did unless you're meticulous with the notes that you're keeping. So let's say I've got an ad out there. Um, and in June, I've got a promo code for 30% off. In July, I've got a code for 10% off. And then in August, I've got free shipping or something like that. If you go back and look at just the ad's performance, you might say, wow, why was June the best? In reality, it wasn't anything to do with the traffic, the targeting, the bid type. It had to do with the fact you've got this promo in the ad, but to the layman who doesn't have the insight, they're going to look at this and be like, well... I didn't see that the ad deal changed because I'm looking at the ad. The ad didn't change. Mm -hmm. In reality, what you're passing it into the ad changed, if that makes sense. It's kind of high level. Yeah. Okay. It just seems like something you'd set and forget and like anything could show up. If Look you at forgot. that. Rompo Peel over here. <laughs> and some important notes to use with Microsoft Advertising's ad customizer is that you can use it on anything except the URL field. So descriptions, headlines, anything like that. You can also put in a default value. So if there is not a feed being pulled in um, at the moment or there's not anything there, the default will show. That makes me feel a little better. Yes. And most importantly, can you guess where I'm going here? Does it match up with Google? It does. You can import what you're doing on Google into Microsoft Ads. So easy peasy for people currently using this now on Google Ads. That's great. Get customizing, folks. <laughs> And next up, I have some good news for businesses on the Pinterest platform. Pinterest unveiled new organic video capabilities for brands, and the changes include better video analytics in the Lifetime View tab, where you can see how a video performs over time, improved video uploader, and finally, brands now have the ability to schedule video content in advance with the Pin Schedule tool, so that will be very convenient. 
And along with the announcement, they quoted Tastemade CEO Larry Fitzgibbon. That's a good last name. It's a great last Fitzgibbon. name. Fitzgibbon. Very fun. Rolls off the tongue. <laughs> and he talked about how Pinterest organic video has helped them, their brand grow. And he said that Tastemade has successfully driven over 1 billion video views and 200 million engagements year to date, while growing their following 100% year over year. So question for you, Shop. You're a big Pinterest user. Ish, yeah. Okay. Have you ever heard of Tastemade? I have, but not from Pinterest. Okay. From so they Facebook. failed. They failed you with their video on Pinterest. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Well, are um, you the right audience for Tastemade? Um, I feel it kind of went along with that tasty trend. Remember those videos, those recipe videos? Yeah. That's what I think of when I think of Tastemade. Okay. But then when I looked it up today, they do all kinds of other stuff. They like, have like home renovation. I kind of put like, them in a box. Yeah, their own unique content. They're like a content Yeah, platform. they're like a streaming platform. So yeah, and you can't, on Pinterest, I noticed today, you can't search for just videos, it looks like, where I feel like that could be really helpful for people looking for step-by-step guides. Look at that, free suggestion. Yeah, like, it, you know, it's Pinterest. It's people looking for actionable tips. Yep. Send and, those royalties over to Chef Pinterest. <laughs> Let's get going. I video could be great for that, yeah. And yeah. I did make a little food pun in here with Tastemade, so I got to say it. Okay. It's clear that Pinterest users are hungry for videos that are both entertaining and actionable, wow. says Tastemade. That bites. <laughs> okay. All right. And next up in news this week, there are more ways for creators to monetize and manage their presence on Facebook. Facebook creators have been able to show ads and breaks previously in three formats, mid-roll during the video, pre-roll, guess where? Before the video. Before the video. And in places where people go to watch the video. So search or watch list. And there's also a non-interruptive image that shows below the video that you can see without stopping it. But previously, the best break format has been chosen based on the viewer, not the person, the creator making the video. My guess is that Facebook just put videos everywhere. (laughs) Like, oh, this viewer wants more ads. Probably. now the creator is going to be able to say, we're only going to show non-interruptive ad formats like pre-roll or image ads in the video so that they have a little bit more control, which is great. The other thing that Facebook has announced is that individuals can support creators by giving them more revenues through stars, a new stars feature. And so an individual could say, I really love this streaming video I'm watching here of this person on Facebook live streaming. I'm going to help support them by sending them a few stars like a sticker it sounds like, like a sticker in, cool. in, yeah and in a twitter you see all the time you and i watch we we actually are consumers of live twitter video mm-hmm. we want shout out to binge mode but or i don't know what it's called talk the thrones or whatever but on twitter you get little hearts and this is not that you actually have to purchase a star in order to give it to a creator shop how much do you think a st- and, and i before oh i, I actually ask this for you the example they gave is for the vegan baker, and the vegan baker had 300 stars. The image shows, send stars to support the vegan baker, 75, 135, 285, or custom. So you could send 285 stars? How much does that cost? A dollar a star? That's so much money. Okay, so $285 to send that. To Can you send baker. one star? I missed that. You could, yes, there's custom. I'm 50 cents a star. One cent a star. Oh. It's ridiculous. It's, it's, a, it's like a you star cent. You donate a cent? So this one that they've got, and I don't know if it's highlighted at the beginning, but it's highlighted now in the example, is 75 stars. So you're giving this person 75 cents. That's embarrassing. <laughs> well, I don't know if it, I don't. This to, video is worth 75 cents to me. I don't understand why you're calling them stars. Yeah. Are people that dumb that they're like, I don't correlate that one star equals one cent? Yeah. Like, just if it was it arbitrary cent. number, if you could earn stars or if you could do something like that and then you could redeem them, that would make more sense. But just to buy stars for a cent and give them to somebody else who then has to redeem them, it's weird. <laughs> Yeah, that makes no sense. So anyway, <laughs> if you get a whole bunch of star cents, at, that's what I'm calling makes them no from sense. here on out. <laughs> oh, if you get and are looking to redeem these star cents as a creator, Facebook will not take a cut of that. However, they say that if the platform takes a cut, like you're in iTunes trying to redeem, iTunes may or Google Play may. Um, so 
but Facebook's not kicking off some of the stardust over to them. There's also a new monetization overview section for creators where they can see all of the monetization products in one place, like monthly earnings, product eligibility, and the bringing Instagram and IGTV over to Creator Studio. So again, trying to put everything under one roof for those creators. And lastly, in the Facebook creator news, there are audience and retention insights. So you can see how well you're doing. You can look at demographics, behaviors, interests, and how long people are watching your videos. So again, hopefully it helps people make better content. I love it. Everything except for the stars. Just make them sense. Let's not all try to fool each other here. Yeah, just donate to the... It makes no sense to me. No sense. <laughs> all right, and on to this week's Take of the Week. Time for a take that is hashtag fire digital marketing with extra spice served up for you. And this week's take comes from Kieran Flanagan at Search Brett on Twitter. And this could be found on Twitter as he tweeted the marketing hamster wheel. And these are bullet points coming up next here. Find tactic that works. Do for X months and see results. Share tactic with world. Everybody copies it. Tactic is commoditized. Start again. Things might be easier if we could keep secrets. Shh emoji. Yeah, it makes you wonder what Kieran's secrets are. I hope they're good ones that he's keeping to himself. Yeah, and I just realized the search brat thing. What an amazing handle. Yeah, it's great. But I, I many times you see something that people are find a loophole or find maybe not a loophole. That's a that's a bad way to think about it, but find some competitive advantage for a client and the first thing that they're inclined to do is to not work on behalf of the clients and just expose it to the world. I get both sides of it, but to the point of, you know, loyalty towards yourself, your business, yeah. your clients, who you're working for, I get that completely what Kieran's saying. And it's good that the industry's so open and you know, we share things that work with each other, but it works against us too. Yes. And there are many people keeping big secrets out there too. I'm sure. Yes. All right. And that brings us to this week's lightning round. At this point in the show, we split up our content into two parts, paid and non-paid. I cover everything to do with advertising, AKA paid. And Greg covers the organic or non-paid. Here's what's happening in the paid universe this week. So we have some gamer news this week. Um, Anzu and Czech. Bless you. Thank you, Greg. (laughs) Anzu and Czech rolled out improved viewability metrics for in-game ads. And those are actual company names. Anzu and Czech. C-H-E-Q. Yes. It looks like a different language you just read there. A-N-Z-U and C-H-E-Q. I thought we were, like, done with those Web 2.0 names, but apparently we're Not back. Not in the gamer world, yeah. No, I guess you have to be there. Um, so this is available for Xbox, PlayStation, and PC, and it's the first ever ad verification service tailored pr- specifically for three-dimensional in-game environments. This is just a crazy world mm-hmm. that we're, we're just – any space that we've got and anybody's attention – Just throw an ad in there. And it's cool when they showed the image on the article. It made me think of you because I know your biggest issue with being in digital is that you can't be involved in the competitive world of billboards. Yes. But here you can do it in video games. That's the example they showed. They were on a dirt racetrack and they had some amazing billboards in the 3D world. In the backstory on billboards, I think I've said this before on the show, in Buffalo, New York here where we are located, nobody knows how to make a billboard. They're the worst things. They're either a textbook on the size of a bill, like a postage stamp billboard, or they just make no sense at all. I wonder, is that technically considered buying a billboard if you buy a billboard in a digital game? How does that work? I'm not sure. We'll have to find out. And You know what? (laughs) Out of principle alone, there will be no purchasing of billboards physically or in a digital video game. I don't you have control over it like can you say you're going to be on a billboard or i mean this shows you after the fact so let me read into it advertisers who purchase ads in games like grand theft auto or madden will be able to get 3d metrics such as whether their ad was viewed head-on or from a hard-to-view angle how much their ad was obscured by any surrounding objects and whether the ad was seen 
in the sunlight during the game or at nighttime in the environment. So, Which is ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> this is just crazy. It's all crazy. So you could have a billboard in here, Greg. Okay. So a few other things. If I had to think off the top of my head, the last place I'd want to put an ad where I'd get any kind of engagement, I'd think, hey, in the middle of a Madden football game, that's what. There's somebody sitting there actively playing a game. They're not paying attention to anything else. You're not looking at the ads, no. No. Um, But, I mean, this is cool. There are, for those folks just looking for awareness and whatever, I mean, at least you now can get some kind of uh, insight into the detail of where those ads were shown. Yeah. So, I guess, good job, check, and and zoo. Bless you. Thank you. In other paid news, LinkedIn announced some changes to Business Manager this week. They're launching three new campaign objectives, and they include brand awareness campaigns. Which Ooh, are- we need billboards oh, and LinkedIn. You love those brand yes. awareness campaigns. And they're charged on a CPM basis. Um, website conversion campaigns that will allow you to optimize campaigns for specific website actions, such as purchases, downloads, or event registrations and also job applicant campaigns for recruiters so they can run ads in an attempt to get more completed job applications on their own website or on LinkedIn. And they also announced an optimized click pricing option. So when selecting your campaign objective, you can now select website visits and only be charged for clicks that take the user to your landing page. Or if you choose to do an engagement campaign, you can be charged for likes, comments, shares, etc. All forms of engagement. I'll take the former, please. Yeah, so lots of different options there. Okay, so that's all for paid. Over to you, Greg. All right. And this week in non-paid, Google Search is recommending Google Assistant for jokes. <laughs> so if you are on a mobile phone and you type in jokes you will now see a very large listing of Google Assistant showing up at the very top, faking like it's doing something. You see the little dots showing up, and it gives you some jokes at the top. Shep, I found two different jokes from Google, and then I pulled a different one in it. And it's your job to pick out the joke from the Google Assistant and the joke that I added in. Okay. So first one, what's the difference between a guitar and a fish? What? You can tune a guitar, but you can't tune a fish. Oh, my okay, gosh. So that's number one, the tuna joke. Here comes the number. <laughs> I hope that th- wasn't yours. <laughs> number two. What's better than Ted Danson? I have, I don't know, a Ted- lot of things. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm refining the uh, answer to that. So what's better than Ted Danson? Ted singing and dancing. Okay. Okay, and then here's the third one. Why can't you write with a broken pencil? Why? Because it's pointless. So why can't you write with a broken pencil? Because okay. it's pointless. I'm going to hope you wrote the pencil one because it's the least stupid in my okay. mind. <laughs> All right. So what? You, so that is incorrect. Oh. I didn't write any of these. I just picked a different You found one. it. From uh, a joke I, website? I, I just Googled worst jokes Because ever. that's who this is killing is the poor joke websites. It is. It is. And you say that like it's an actual problem, but... Well, there is a client that I used to work with that shows up at the very top for jokes. And that will likely take away some of their search volume, right? Mm-hmm. And this is something where it seems harmless. It's about jokes. It's hard for people to get upset about this. But in reality, the more that assistant comes into the search engine results pages and takes away traffic from webmasters, that is... Something you have to consider, and again, why you always want to diversify where everything's coming from. And but just yes. of all the valuable things for Google Assistant to do, we're going to advertise that it tells jokes. My theory is that it's a really harmless one. And, and if you give any feedback, they're like, well, why are we putting this in here? Everybody's like, what, you don't like having fun? That's the go-to answer that Google gives you. Yeah. What, because we can have a little fun sometimes because everybody needs a little bit of fun. And it's like, I get, I get what's going on here, and I get that it's hard to argue against jokes. Maybe I'll just be the one mm-hmm. arguing against jokes and everybody can hate on me. There. I don't like it. I don't like it. Get it out of the search results. I feel like I'm making you more negative than no, you were I, last th- week. I need to get back. I need to <laughs> It makes me think of the iPhone 10 commercials that were all over the place last year with the Animojis. Like you want me to buy an iPhone 10 just because it has Animojis. It makes no sense. I don't even know what Animoji is. There are these dumb, if you put your face on an emoji... Oh. And talk like you're the emoji. And oh, those yeah. are the only features that I know iPhone 10 has. Okay. Is the emojis. Because that's all they advertise. Well, I only use Animojis. 
for the record. Um, so yeah, the joke that I put in there was the "What's better than Ted Danson?" because I'm just a big Ted Danson fan. Did you Google Ted Danson jokes? Um, I just know what's going on <laughs> with Mr. Danson. All right. So next up, Google Maps launches Place Topics, and if you have a Google local listing, you may see different topics in kind of a little topic cloud coming in based on custom reviews. And the business owners don't manage this feature; it's automated. So. You may start to see that, you know, you are a restaurant and you see, oh, it's sushi rolls, you know, whatever coming in in different kind of topic clouds there. So I don't know if it's good. I don't know if it's bad. Yeah, well, since it's the they same. don't manage it, it could be don't order the sushi rolls, right? You know, the, the, uh, always the first thing I see is the negative aspects of it where somebody's going to, you know, find a restaurant and put in something stupid. Dirty bathrooms. Turtles. Yeah. <laughs> like this, the turtles, this restaurant. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden you're going to have to be like, well, I got a topic of turtles for my restaurant, and I serve Italian food and get rid of this. But I always see it's, it's going to get spammed. When it's automated, it gets spammed. We'll see how it That's what happens. Out, yeah. All right, next up, Instagram has some new AI to help stop people about to post hurtful comments and then new tools to help stop bullying. And this came from time.com, and there are two new tools rolling out first, is what's called a comment warning. So if you are going to comment on a post, the bullying classifier will detect if it's borderline content, give you a prompt, and they might rethink their words is the hope. So according to Instagram, it's a little nudge to say, hey, this might be offensive without blocking you from posting. It almost sounds like it's your preschool teacher. You sure yes. you want to say that? You know what? Sometimes I don't think before I speak, and I'd like this in real life. Just going around, be like, hey, are you being too direct? You know, give me a little nudge. Okay, don't say that. Yeah, unfortunately, real life doesn't work that way. But right. I don't know. Cyberbullying is one of the worst things about the internet. I just wish we didn't need this, but I guess we do. Yes. And the other thing is a product that they're calling Restrict. And what Restrict will do will not block a peer from somebody that's bullying them. Uh, many times people are afraid to do that. So what you do is you kind of shadow block them with restrict. And this is the best way to do anything. Um, what happens is somebody leaves a comment or whatever. They think they're commenting on your post, but nobody can see it. You can't even see it. The only person that can see it is them. And that is the absolute best. Yeah. Shadow blocking is the way to go. Don't ban anybody. Just do whatever. The bully can have the satisfaction. Yes. And they feel like, oh, look at this. I'm going to get so many likes and nobody ever sees it. It's great. So I am all about that. Next up, LinkedIn has new skill-based quizzes. And this comes from Stephen Johns on Twitter, Stephen Johns 21 And if you want to, you can get profile badges for a skill. You have to take the quiz on LinkedIn. I guess it's not really advertising, but if you're out there trying to convince somebody that you know what you're talking about, hey, you can get a badge here if you pass the assessment. That's nice. I wonder how hard the assessments are. I don't know. I don't care. I haven't updated my LinkedIn in like 10 years. Me neither. All right. Next up, Google is targeting larger font sizes in the search results. And this came from Sergey Alekov on Twitter, at Sergey underscore Alekov. And again, all the links are in the show notes today. But he spotted that he saw the titles jumped from 18 size fonts to 20, and that the URLs went from 14 to 16, and the descriptions went from 13 to 14. Don't know if this is a test, if this is something that may be reversed. So the first thing I think of is, hey, guess what's getting pushed down lower? Organic. Exactly. So look for that. We'll have to see if this is a, if there ever comes a formal announcement from this. But with bigger text, there's going to be less real estate for organic to creep back up. Another change on the Google front is the ability to add timestamps when you're doing a content ID claim. And so if you are out there saying somebody stole my video on YouTube, you can now uh, submit that claim, that copyright, if you own it, not just to a video, but to a specific time. So it'll help hopefully speed everything up mm -hmm. where you don't have to have people watching all sorts of videos. You can say, here's my content at this time, go off and get, get this person to stop using it. So I am all about that. Another change from Google is giving more power to people using custom search engine or CSE on their websites. And if you're using CSE, it basically gives you Google power on your site itself. 
And what people can do now is they can add in knowledge graph entities. So if your search on your site is being powered by custom search engine, uh, what you can do is you can kind of add five different entities so that the knowledge graph information may show up. So if somebody's looking for an answer quick, you don't have to build all the program. You don't have to spend the development hours. You can say, oh, I trust these few different gra knowledge graph entities. I allow them in my site. So cool for the handful of custom search engine users out there. And, oh, this isn't lastly, unfortunately, but second to lastly, Google's John Mueller tweeted that both old or new domains do not benefit you in Google. John said, no, domain age helps nothing, was the tweet itself. That in and of itself, if you look at it in a vacuum, I can understand that. Fine, the domain age helps nothing. Gotcha. Now, what he said next, and something I take umbrage with, is that he said, I don't see how age alone could be a good signal. Content doesn't get better automatically just because it's old. And that is exactly from a tweet from John. Now, if we're talking technically, if you've got something that's been out there and been consumed for a while, and then you've got something that starts one second ago, yeah. that's incorrect. It is incorrect by definition because Google has something and knows what it is. Mm -hmm. So it is ridiculous. And then anybody that's launched a brand new site on a brand new domain starting from scratch knows that this isn't the case. Again, there's many more factors that go into this, like the signals, obviously links, all the different elements, but having content that is older and has been discovered and has these, this, I mean, that's crazy to say that. Yeah. And that's wrong. And again, I don't care. It's wrong. It's, I've, I've launched many new domains. I've redirected sites to new domains. It's still a problem. So don't listen to that part. Yeah. And that's what all these people were tweeting. And John just replied to them and his replies would just be short and sweet, like, no. And with his Twitter image, it was so funny because it looks like his hands are up in the air and he's just like, no, I'm not listening to this. So now maybe he'll respond to the podcast. And I doubt it, but I, I, I've, I've redirected many things, yeah. gone through different branding, everything under the it. sun. And if you had a gun to your head, one million out of one million times, you would choose, oh, I'm going to go with the old domain. Mm -hmm. And saying that the... Um, content doesn't get better automatically just because it's old. That's a cop-out. That's not even answering the question. I don't see how age alone could be a good signal. And again, they frame things in a way that it's hard to argue because is it a signal or... Ugh. But Nobody don't take that. getting better. And don't, be like, don't use this to be like, oh, yeah. I'm going to take this and I'm going to just move everything to a new domain because what, what, Matt, who cares? Or I'm just going to start from scratch. Age means nothing. Don't do that, folks. All right, and last up... There is an article from TechCrunch called Twitter and Facebook are reportedly not invited to the White House Social Media Summit. Like, what are they getting? MySpace? What's <laughs> going on here? Is Tom going? Are we pulling Tom out from his is. photography job? We're heading over to the, the house? Yeah, he is pretty busy, so hopefully he can make it. Get the, get the people from Friendster? What are we doing here? Get Plark on the phone? Google+. Plus. All right, and that brings us to a real-life segment straight out of our accounts and into your ear holes, it's time for Working Hard or Hardly Working, where we talk about what's going on in our IRL work, good, bad, or otherwise this week. Shep, what's been happening with your accounts lately? So I have kind of been plugged in on a site plan all week, and something that was really simple but helped me a lot was this serpsim.com. And it's a mock-up tool that shows you how your page is going to look in the search results on Google. And you can put in your title tag, your URL, your meta description. And again, this isn't like this crazy powerful thing, but it's just nice to see how everything's going to look. And one thing everybody should know about Shep is she takes her content seriously. <laughs> she is meticulous. <laughs> so she's so you're saying you're out there using this to craft everything really specific. Yeah, so I'll set it up in a spreadsheet and... If I'm kind of struggling with how it's going to lay out on the page, it's nice to just pop it in there and see what it's going to look like. And you can play around with different alternatives. You can also um, export an image of it. So you could send that to a client and they could really visualize how it's going to look. So a simple but powerful tool. I think this could be really useful. And you can also put in existing URLs and it'll fetch the snippet that's live right now. So that's kind of neat too. Nice. All right. And in my accounts this week, I just have a basic disclaimer to everybody 
that if you're running any kind of ads, um, and, and in this case, I was thinking specifically of Google ads, throw in maybe once a quarter that you check who has access to these accounts. I was looking at one account that we were working on, and we discovered that somehow somebody that should not have access to the account had access and had recently logged in. Now, they didn't make any changes, thankfully, and it wasn't us that had put them in, but I think it just got lost somewhere on the shuffle. But we had cleaned that up, and it's one of those things where if you are being paid to work on this account, make sure that you don't get in some kind of litigation or legal match if somebody goes in and makes a change and it's not you. I mean, cover your bases and make sure that it's easy enough to go into your settings and view access, whether it is a user or a manager, at least in Google ads. And it's just good practice to put it in your calendar and maybe quarterly run through, check it out, make sure that somebody didn't get inadvertently added or that somebody at the company that you're doing it for as an agency didn't leave um, and have like access to the personal email that could sabotage everything. So just a good reminder that I thought of and I'm going to be employing here. That's really scary. Yeah. That's a good thing to add to the calendar for sure. All right. And now it's time for this week's WTH. And this week's WTH comes from telegraph.co.uk. There was a little problem (laughs) over in Great Britain where there was a mommy blogger. Mummy. Mummy blogger, and her name was Sarah Wilcox Knot. Did you know that a Wilcox Knot is an actual knot? No, like is a tie knot for fishing lure. Oh, for fishing! I just made that up. Oh. It's not, <laughs> but but Miss Wilcox Knot apparently breached the rules of the Advertising Standards Authority. It was due to a over-the-counter sleeping sedative that she had promoted on Instagram. So basically, I'm going to recap this as quick as I can. She said she was a night owl. She found some tablets that she said were pharmacy only, that they were short-term solution to insomnia and really helped. The post was marked as an ad, and the company that was running or paid for this ad, Sanofi, had apparently cleared the promotion with the healthcare trade body, the Proprietary Association of Great Britain, beforehand. So through one association, they cleared it, but the ASA, which I'm assuming is bigger because they shut this down, said that this cannot happen because Miss Wilcox Knott has 32,000 followers on Instagram and classed her as a celebrity. So you've got 32,000 followers, you're a celebrity. That it is um, not possible. And they compared the recognized celebrities on the platform to David Beckham, who has 55 million followers. Of all people, David Beckham. I know. <laughs> it's Bex. just so random. The big deal here is that apparently... Um, you're not allowed to have a celebrity endorse something. And Miss Wilcox not is now a celebrity because they've deemed 32,000 followers yeah. to be a celebrity. Must be nice. So I'm thinking now, many of these people that got up to these high counts inflated everything. There's something you can check. I think it's Spark Toro might have something where you can see real versus fake followers. And I wonder if there's going to be like a service now to be hey, I'm going to remove followers for you. That'd yeah. be a good service. We'd be like, I'm going to go kick these people out, go report all these people out. I'm going to bring you under that 30,000 threshold. Is that the threshold now? Like, is there a threshold for being a celebrity on Instagram? I guess, according to them. Well, it actually made me do a little research, Greg, into okay. the most followed people on Instagram. So the biggest celebrities. Okay. Do you think you know who they are? Yes. Let's see if you can get five. Okay. Out of 10? Yeah. There's no way I can do that. Okay. How about five guesses to get three? Uh, okay. You think you can yes. do that? Okay. One, Lady Gaga. I'm going to wait until you're... Okay. <laughs> Two, um, I'm going to go with... I'm going to go... This is for 2018, by the way. Oh, 2018. Okay. Oh, hang on. Let me recalibrate everything here quick. <laughs> so 2018, I'm going to go Ted Danson. Okay, number three, I'm going to go with, uh, who's the guy that, on Instagram? <laughs> yeah, of course, I think he's number, number four, um, and then I'm going to go with a guy that's always on Snapchat, DJ Khaled. Okay. Okay, and then I'm going to go with, who's having a resurgence here? I got to think if it's 2018, um, Macaulay Culkin's brother. 
the guy on the show Succession. The other Culkin. <laughs> I'm go with the other I, Culkin. I know nothing about the other Culkin. Okay. Is he on Instagram? I'm, I'm, I'm putting him on there and in the top five. Okay. Were those all your guesses? No, I have one more. Okay. And then I'm going to go with that egg, that golden egg. <laughs> okay. There's my five. Unfortunately, you didn't get any. Crap. Get out of here. Lady Gaga's Number one is Instagram. So well, that's, that's not a person. That's, okay. that, this is a trick question. So the most followed person on Instagram in 2018 was Cristiano Ronaldo. Okay. Followed by Selena Gomez, Ariana Grande, Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Oh, I should have known that. He's so positive, that fellow. <laughs> Kim Kardashian, Beyonce, Kylie Jenner, Taylor Swift, and Neymar, soccer player. Soccer player. That, okay. Did I pronounce that right? So, yeah. So, soccer, soccer players, players yeah. bad music. All really makes it right up on the top of the list. Taylor Swift is not bad music. Okay. And Jenner's. Kardashian Jenner's. Okay. So, yeah. They're bigger celebrities than Miss Wilcox not, but... So, the moral of the story is... <laughs> 30,000 followers and you're a celebrity, according to the ASA. W-T-H. Yeah. All right. And that brings us to this week's Cool Tool. As a reminder, our Cool Tool segment is not an official endorsement or paid mention. We're simply sharing something that we found in our travels that may be of use to our listeners. So this week's Cool Tool is the Data Studio Explorer. This is a very cool tool. It allows you to explore and test data visualization alternatives without making changes to an actual report. So you never have to make any alterations to your client-facing reports. You simply select a sample data source, then test out different charts to see the best way to represent your KPI data. And it looks like a real report. You can set out, still add filters, blend data, and play with date ranges and make style changes as well. And you can save your exploration and add it to existing reports. So that's where it's really valuable. Yeah. And the biggest I issue that I have all the time is I always get an idea and I'm like, I wonder if we can pull this data into Data Studio and make something good. But then I have to set up its own report and then you go through and then you have to do it in a view mode and then you stop and you jump back and all of a sudden you've got a mess of Data Studio reports. And this just gives you this really nice sandbox yeah. that you can use um, called Explorer. You don't have to toggle between view and edit. You can just stay right in there. It's really great. Yep. And to that, that point, you get something you like, boom, add it to the report. Or not, all of your clients' reports. Awesome. All right. And that brings us to this week's must-read marketing article of the week, an article so in-depth, so detailed, that we simply cannot cover it in its entirety on today's show. This week's article is a podcast. So it's a must-listen article of the week. And it comes from Jason Freed and the Basecamp team on their podcast called Rework. And the name of the podcast is called Six Hours of Phone Calls. And this is kind of a wonky podcast. It was a, not really that well planned out, but they had a problem with SEO. This was their look at vetting an SEO vendor. And you listened to the podcast? I did. So apparently Jason had stated that they were basically invisible on Google, though they've had the company for 20 years. They laughed that now that they're 20, maybe they should pay attention to it. Ha ha. And they also talked that they scheduled six hours of meetings back to back and that it was a benefit when you're testing vendors out and interviewing that you put everything back to back. Um, there was a lot of skepticism from his counterpart on the podcast about the bull heck that they were slinging mm -hmm. and that some people were actually dissuading against the bull heck and all that stuff. So being more forthright and calling that out appeared to go well for them. The one thing I'd say when you listen to this, they are not the average client. They're no way are they the average client where they almost don't want shiny things. That's one of the takeaways I get, got from this is that having an agency or having multiple people seemed like a negative to, to, to them almost. Did you get that? Yeah, like at one point they said, even if you were on camera, even if you were like in your house, you know, working by yourself, that it was still a plus to see what you were doing. Yes. And, and, and again, in full disclosure, we are the least flashy, <laughs> least flashy sales pitch you've ever seen. Um, and I thought another thing that was really strange when you listened to this was the fact that Jason took some pride in the fact that he just threw threw one thing out there and then listened, and that was what he did. Um, and to me, again, this is our own personal approach that, that works sometimes, I guess, is 
it's weird that people aren't asking him questions back and it's not back and forth. I mean, I listened to what he had said to people to say, and again, his, his shtick was, hey, we've been doing this for 20 years. We never focused on it. People can't find us unless they look for base camp. And that's it. Mm-hmm. And then let somebody talk. You've been on many sales calls with me. What, what, do, what do we come in prepared for? What do, what do we do when we get there? I would just say we're honest and straightforward about what we, like if we're good at something, we say we're good at it. If it's something that's not in our wheelhouse, we're straight up about it. And I think that's the best approach. And he did say that that he felt like the people who were the most honest he liked more, but he called it a shtick, to be honest. I know. I'm like, it's not a shtick. Like, did. you're just being honest. But the other thing is, I, all I do is I ask questions yeah. the first time. I ask, I ask so many questions, and then I'm just like, all right, I think I actually understand what you're trying to do. I don't even think about it. But I was listening to what he said, and I was like, all I would be doing is asking him questions. It's weird that people aren't asking him questions and getting diving in deeper, and they're just like, oh, here's a tool, here's this, here's that. And I thought... Immediately, of a dozen questions that I'd ask this guy if he were, were, you know, interviewing me as he called it. I'd be interviewing him. Yeah. It's like, what is happening with this stuff? And I was thinking, here are just twelve quick questions. And we're, this is gonna be a long podcast today. My 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 first question was gonna be, what have you done specifically in this space in the past? Why haven't you addressed this in twenty years? Have you tried any other type of search engine marketing, paid, anything else? You stated that you were basically invisible. What should Basecamp be ranking for? Why should Basecamp be ranking for those terms? All right, so what pages on the site should rank for each? Is there somebody in this space that you think is just nailing it with what they're doing organically? Are you looking for a quick fix or a longer-term effort and engagement? Will you be dedicating internal resources to this? Do you have the ability to generate content on a regular basis? Where are the majority of leads coming from today? Are we targeting globally, locally? Who are we going after? And should specific products be found via different methods? So example, is Basecamp 2 more geared towards client access project management? And is Basecamp 3 more geared towards internal collaboration and communication? And that's what I was thinking. Why aren't people asking questions? And why are you looking at this and saying it's a negative? It's just a very interesting insight into people's minds that are out there serving them. And I know we're going long on this, and we're just breaking this down. The other thing it sounded like is he wasn't really going to take the advice of people. Mm-hmm. Where he said, we're going to have him on for a, short, for a term and then leave. But then he talked about the person he was talking to was a content person. And he's going to contact the technical person that they know. And it's just a good reminder that people have no idea what they're doing. Even Basecamp yeah. has no idea. And then goes out and has a podcast about it. It's, it is pretty enlightening that you should never go into a sales meeting with any expectations. And again, if you learn something from clients, I always take that as a win or potential clients as to you know, what they're looking for to see if you can help and how you could help. Yeah. And those questions you probably came up with in two seconds. Two seconds. Yeah. I, wrote, I, I was in a call. very straightforward. Yes. Things you would ask right away. So, yeah, crazy. All right. So head on over to the show notes for that. Thank you, Jason. All right. That does it for today's show. It is now officially not Marketing O'Clock. Remember, you can catch everything from today's show on marketingoclock.com. Please be sure to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. And we will see you next week. Thanks for listening to Marketing O'Clock. If today's show was of value to you, please subscribe, leave a review, or share with a colleague. If you are looking for more information on today's topics, head over to marketingoclock.com for links to all the articles that we covered. Welcome to this week's episode of Shooting the Heck, where we don't talk about marketing anymore. After our famous Friday news shows, we just shoot the heck. This week, it's everybody's favorite game. Two kinds of people where we list something off and there is either type A, type B, but only two types of people. And we've also got our wonderful sound engineer, Hope, joining us. Hi, Hope. Hello. We've got some fashion going on this week, so hopefully we get some of your hot fashion takes. All right. Do you want to start, Shep, or you want me to start? I can start. Okay. Okay. So two types of people. People who set one alarm in the morning to wake themselves up or people who set like seven. Okay. Which type of person are you? Me? I'm the seven. Because many times I've got these kids waking up in the middle of the night and it's impossible. I don't want to sleep through something. 
And I try to get up really early too. And sometimes I just don't wake up for the alarm. And I, I wake up and I see alarm missed. So I am multiple peop, multiple alarm person. How about you, Hope? Multiple alarms. All right, Shep, what are you? Same, yeah, I'm multiple. <laughs> and I label mine. It's like, get up now and you can work out. Okay, <laughs> now you can't work out, but you can still shower. Oh, you're not washing your hair anymore. They're all labeled. For oh, my gosh. I, I kind of did it to be funny one day, but. That's amazing. Yeah, they're accurate. Wow, I like that, the motivational one. You're like, oh, I missed the workout one, but hey, at least I can get some, some clean hair follicles. <laughs> all right, so here's two kinds of people. People that when they turn, get in their car and turn their car on, car on on a hot day, open their windows or people that let their car turn the temperature down by themselves? Two kinds of people. So, like, they either put the windows down or turn the AC on really high? Yes, right and don't put the windows down. I've noticed there's two kinds of people in life. Um, I think I'm both. Both? I don't know. Well, if you open the windows, you're you're on team. Open the windows. Yeah. Okay. So, the then AC. I guess I do both. Okay. Yeah. Open the windows. I crank the AC as high as it goes and open the windows. Yeah. Okay. Until it gets cold. And I know it's wasteful. Okay. Yeah, I, I open the windows too. I, I want it to get as cool as as possible. But some people don't. So I, I, many people will just let the car cool itself down and like sweat out all their toxins. I while don't know, maybe, at it. maybe the windows going up and down is too much. Maybe they don't want to damage the window system. I don't know. I've just seen both. Yeah, not me. Okay. Well, I guess nobody... We need to disagree on something. What do you have next here, Shep? Okay, I have a last one. I think I'm kind of a weirdo on this, but... Okay, you're at a nice 4th of July picnic, and there's a savory dip with some melted cheese on top. Okay, savory. Yeah, I think it's usually a savory dip. Okay. And you have a chip. Do you dip your chip into the corner and take a little piece off the side... Or are you an animal who digs your chip into the middle? <laughs> you're leading. You're leading the defendant here. And I destroys the savory dip for everyone else and messes up all the cheese. I wonder what Shep is. I bet she's the animal. <laughs> it, so nobody's touched the dip yet. Well, even if they do touch it, like I feel like I'm going at the side, and all of a sudden my grandpa comes up and just dips his chip right in the middle and destroys the top. It drives me crazy. Okay. I think in general I go for the side just because I have a better angle of getting more without making a big mess. I don't get my hands dirty by dipping into the middle and scooping down and yeah. possibly putting my knuckles at risk. So I think I'm I'm going towards the side where there's already momentum and some headway made. I'm just surprised how many people do it. What about you, Hope? I do the sides. When okay. I'm at a dip, I don't really take a plate. I just stand there and eat till I'm satisfied. So I like make my own corner. Oh. And I just stand there. I feel like first dates, you should, like, order a savory dip and see what kind of <laughs> people you both are. It really makes me mad. All right, dating advice with Shep. All right, next up for me, there's two kinds of people. There's people that like camping, and there's people that say they like camping. There's different kinds of camping. Are we well, talking, like, tenting tent in the Adirondacks? Like, you're out we like in the woods with glamping. no power, no bathrooms. You're in nature just being at one with nature camping no no i need a glamping cabin okay so you 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 like not being that close to nature a little buffer there's a line i don't need to be going to the bathroom and like digging a hole to go to the bathroom like i don't need that okay but if i'm going in the middle of nowhere and there's cabins and there's plumbing and a kitchen yeah i like being one with nature <laughs> In the, the natural <laughs> kitchen that I found while exploring the land. Yeah, I think plumbing is the big thing that you need. I need plumbing. If that's glamping, then I'm a glamper. Okay. See, I'm the opposite. I'm the one that wants just to... Really? Yeah, I want to backpack and to be in the middle of nowhere. I don't get why people go and they pack. You're like, oh, I got to go get away from all this this society here. Let's go to this little thing where we can all huddle, you know, 20 feet away from everybody and share bathrooms. It's weird. It's not, you're not, you're not nature. I don't pretend either. I don't say I like camping. I don't even want to go to a cabin really. <laughs> okay. I, I That's cabins. fair enough. Cabins are nice. You're so there are the campers me. that like camping and then there are the campers that don't really like camping. Don't really like nature. I love nature, but I don't need to 
have a tent on my back hiking in the middle of nowhere with like a water bottle and that's my only like you could people die like that i don't need to die exactly. out in the wilderness no <laughs> you gotta have a little risk a risk reward okay okay so i've got one more and this only goes out to um to the fellows out there or for the fellows but it's fashion okay so there are two types of of folks and i'm speaking specifically to men uh, but there are men out there, and my wife was watching um, the hit television show, The Bachelorette. And Love was that show. Commenting on some of the fashionable moves that these gentlemen were making, uh, courting this nice lady. There, we noticed that there were quite a few of these folks that were, uh, were two kinds of these folks. There were the folks that had pants, normal pants, and then the folks that had pants where they were sure to, to flash a little calf with their pants. And I've so got the cropped an, ankle length. I don't know the actual nomenclature of the pants or the verbiage, but you can you can see a little calf. And I'll give you a picture. We could put it up on the website. And then they don't wear socks usually, right? Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 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 Okay. So what kind what kind <laughs> of fashion is the right fashion? I think that that's definitely more fashionable right now to show a little calf. Yeah. But I like a little calf. That doesn't mean that it's bad the other way. And and then you have to ask the question like they can't wear socks then, right? Cuz the socks would show. I don't really like I like the no sock look. I don't like smelly feet. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I do. I do. So, so you're you you're you're out there and you're looking at what you think is a good fashion, you say, "Oh, give me the calf." I would say it's fashionable. I wouldn't. I don't think it's like an enduring thing. I think it's hot right now. It's, so you're a calf. If I was a guy, I guess I'd probably be a calf. Okay. Yeah. I like okay. calf. So I, I don't get what was wrong with pants. You liked it? No, I mean I I've seen pants. I've worn pants for most of my life. <laughs> I, I think that I've never really come to the conclusion that the pants were were wrong. That they you had didn't a problem. Think it was a different style. You were like, I mean, oh, I've, I've been pants. I've been pretty okay with pants for. 37 years you didn't notice that they were shorter no i mean i've never really seen a need to give my calves a little air just a little crop they're like capris yeah women have been doing it it's ridiculous it's ridiculous is what it is if you remember there used to be like jinko jeans these huge flared jeans and you sit there and you'd be like what are people doing what is this style do you know how bad this is gonna look when it's the year 2019 and you look back and you see these jinko jeans guess what Calfed pants is what we're all going to be laughing at. I think. In yeah, I think it's twenty twenty nine for sure. No. Like, look at this. No, look, I think look at that calf. We'll laugh at it. How could you get worse than flashing calf? I wear things that I know I'm going to laugh at one day. That's the beauty of growing up. Yeah. That's the beauty of the fashion industry. Okay. All right. Keep on flashing some calves, and we'll see you next week. <laughs>